A major update to the case that has grasped the nation's attention as Alec Murdoch now faces murder charges and the shooting deaths of his wife and son. I've got the latest updates in that story and more in this episode of WTOC's Weekly Wrap, a recap of the week's biggest stories from around the coastal empire and low country. I'm digital anchor Jake Wallace. Former South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch has been indicted on two counts of murder and two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. Those indictments were handed down by a Colleton County, South Carolina grand jury on the morning of Thursday, July 14th. 52-year-old Maggie Murdoch and her son, 22-year-old Paul Murdoch, were found shot to death at the family's hunting property in a rural part of Colleton County on June 7, 2021. Here's WTOC's Haley Boland with the latest details on those indictments. So I've been out here at the Colleton County Courthouse all day today, and this is where that decision was made this morning to indict Alec Murdoch. Now we want to bring up those charges that he's indicted on. Now a grand jury indicted Murdoch on two counts of murder and two counts of possession of a weapon during a violent crime and the death of his wife and son, Maggie and Paul. Now, Maggie and Paul were shot and killed at the family's property in Colleton County last June. Documents released today by the court claim Alex shot his wife with a rifle and then shot his son with a shotgun. They did not release any other details. Now, Attorney General Alan Wilson released a statement on the case as well. Wilson says, quote, all the efforts of our office and the law enforcement agencies involved in this investigation have been focused on seeking justice for the victim's families. In a statement sent to WTOC, Murdoch's attorneys say their client had nothing to do with his wife and son's deaths. That statement reads in part, quote, Alec wants his family, friends, and everyone to know that he did not have anything to do with the murders of Maggie and Paul. He loved them more than anything in the world. It was very clear from day one that law enforcement and the attorney general prematurely concluded that Alec was responsible for the murder of his wife and son but we know that Alec did not have any motive whatsoever to murder them, end quote. You can read their full statement at WTOC.com. You'll find the link in the description of this podcast episode. South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson says Murdoch's bond hearing on the murder charges will be held on Wednesday, July 20th in Colleton County. Now charged with murder and their deaths, it was Alec Murdoch himself who called 911 to report those deadly shootings. WTOC investigative reporter Max Deaknight went back and listened to those calls Alec Murdoch made the night his wife and son were killed. Murdoch sounded frantic that evening. We can hear him whimpering and asking police to hurry to get to the scene. His first call went to the Hampton County Dispatch Center. That's when he told them he discovered his wife and son shot to death on their Colleton County property. Take a listen. My wife and child just got Murdoch was then transferred to the Colleton County Dispatch Center. While he's waiting for police to arrive on scene, you can hear him crying and dogs barking in the background. Here's more from that call. I've been up to it now. It's bad. Okay. Oh. Okay, and are they breathing? No, ma'am. Okay, and you said it's your wife and your son? My wife and my son. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am. They're on the ground out at my kennel. Okay. And did you see anyone? Okay. Is he breathing at all? No. Nobody. 
And that dispatcher then asked Alec not to touch the bodies because police would want to get evidence. He said that he had already touched them to see if they were breathing. It goes on from there. The tape ends. We're waiting to see if any releases will come from SLED today, including any other tapes or any evidence from that night. You can keep up with the latest updates on the Murdoch case at the Murdoch case page at WTOC.com. There you'll also find a timeline of the key dates in this investigation. You'll find the link to the Murdoch case page in the description of this podcast episode. A 20-year-old soccer player for South Georgia Tormenta FC was killed in a hit-and-run crash in the early hours of Saturday, July 9th. Statesboro police say Carter Payne was riding a lime scooter and crossing Fair Road near the Food World, going toward the Georgia Southern campus side of the street around 1 a.m. when he was hit by a vehicle. The driver of the vehicle then drove away from the scene. Payne was flown to a hospital in Savannah where he later died. Payne was a 20-year-old defender from the University of Michigan and was in his first year with the club. As Payne's teammates, family, and friends mourn the loss, Statesboro police are still looking for information in the case, including the kind of vehicle that hit Payne. WTOC's Dow Kennedy has the story. As police struggle with what happened here on this busy road at 1 o'clock in the morning, Carter Payne's soccer family here in Statesboro struggles with how and why. A cross and candles sit just feet away from the spot Payne was struck and killed. He and his friends had been eating fast food just up the street before he left on an electric scooter around 1.30 a.m. and was struck crossing Fair Road. Georgia State Patrol troopers tell me they have no witnesses or car descriptions yet. You know, we don't know how far the time lapse was when Mr. Payne was struck and the first car to come by. It actually didn't stop. It was the third car was, was the one that stopped. Payne played college soccer at University of Michigan but came here to play for Tormenta during the college offseason. Tormenta leaders say they've heard an outpouring of support from the local community and the soccer circles across America. Sports touches us all in a, in a very intimate way, doesn't it? So when, when, when we have tragedies, it, it, it also feels, even if you don't know them, you feel like you know them. And Carter had, had, certainly has that, that impact. Investigators hope the coverage of Payne's death makes a nearby driver that night realize now what they saw. If they, if they know something, they need to come forward. They need to come forward and hopefully they'll have a conscience to, to want to come forward. Anyone who thinks they may know anything about this case, no matter how insignificant, get in touch with them and you can do that anonymously. In Statesboro, Dow Kennedy, WTOC News. Tormenta FC and the club's IBIS Foundation has created the Carter Payne Fund. The IBIS Foundation will accept donations in memory of Carter, which will go to the family into funding a new Carter Payne Scholarship, in which one Tormenta FC Academy player's team and uniform fees will be covered each year, starting with the Academy's 2023 season. The city of Beaufort and its businesses are getting ready for the 66th annual Beaufort Water Festival that begins on Friday, July 15th. It's a 10-day festival that brings thousands to the low country, with some saying they expect this to be the biggest water festival yet. WTOC's Tyler Mannion spoke to several businesses to see what this weekend means to them. As preparations go all year round, but especially right now. I made my way around the city yesterday talking to as many businesses as possible, and I got to tell you, there's a real buzz in Beaufort leading up to this festival. And this is like one of the... Low Country's homecoming, if you will. Folks from all over the region come into Beaufort for this 10-day festival. We'll have somewhere around, you know, 
10,000 to 15,000 people with just in the just the weekend events. Those crowds come ready to eat and drink at local businesses like Rain and Bagels. Water festival is definitely crazy. It's maybe a line out the sidewalk this year. To deal with that high demand, they're popping out bagels as quick as they can. We just prep as much coffee, as much bagels as we can, extra bakes. To make sure customers leave happy, Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. it's all hands on deck. We need everybody we can for staff. The employees here are preparing to be full steam ahead. Business is expected to be booming away from the coffee, too. The beauty of Water Festival is that it's about a $7 million economic impact on the local economy. That's particularly obvious here on Bay Street. Panini's on the waterfront looks right out at the park where much of the festival is held. The restaurant's owner says they're expecting all kinds of business. So we have a lot of extra food coming this week so we can start prepping it all up today, tomorrow, you know, on going into the weekend. From paninis to pizza, there's a wide variety of food to get ready. But having been here for 11 years, he knows what a lot of people are really looking for. And he'll be stocked of that, too. We'll have the wall of beer downstairs, you know, 30, 40 cases of beer sometimes. Now, he also tells me that July, interestingly enough, isn't actually that much of a peak tourist season here in Beaufort because it's not a beach city. He says that the Water Festival really carries businesses here through these slower summer months. The Beaufort Water Festival runs from Friday, July 15th to Sunday, July 24th. You can get the latest news, weather, and sports updates every night on The News and all the time at WTOC.com and on the WTOC app. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.